This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reckless speculation. Great talk. Juicy rumors. That's right. It's a reckless speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. We're going to start things off in just a minute with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson. But quickly, if you're a business owner out there, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. Well, that's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company recently launched My Shield, the online client destination for risk management resources. Think about all the different things risk-related that you run into when running a business and all the different resources that MyShield can help you with. Safety training and videos, customizable risk management plans, workplace posters, uh, sample risk management policies and checklists, and all kinds of other things. So what are you waiting for? Get registered today so you can jump on MyShield through federatedinsurance.com or download the app. And if not, if you uh, just want to talk to an actual human, you can find your Federated Insurance Marketing Representative at FederatedInsurance.com, where it's always our business to protect yours. Join more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Reckless speculation. Welcome into the show today, Mackie and Judd. We recklessly speculate on Thursdays. We will take your who says no trade ideas. We got a couple really good ones, including one involving Deshaun Watson that we'll get to later on here. But our friend Darren Doogie Wilson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. He's also host of the Scoop Podcast on ScoreNorth.com, Apple, and Spotify. Doogie, welcome into the show. Um, we know that you're talking to Brian Windhorst later today, and people can find that. And so we'll get to some Wolves stuff. But where do you want? Do you want to start with? I think this George Payton report is pretty interesting, and you've got some information on the Vikings' assistant general manager who has been flirted with for like ten years around the league, and he's never actually taken a team up on a GM job. Um, he interviewed with the Lions, it sounds like, this week. So where, where, where are the Vikings at and George Payton at uh, this time around? I think it's more real than ever. I think George Payton, who a lot of fans, I think they know the name, but they couldn't pick him out of, of any sort of lineup. They don't know what he looks like, but he's very much involved in, in every move the Vikings make or attempt to make. He is Rick Spielman's right-hand man. I mean, he talks to agents on a daily basis. He talks to other teams pre-trade deadline, pre-draft. You know, he's he's got the book on on the league. I mean, he is GM material. And, yeah, I mean, he's turned down opportunities. Like, if he wanted to be, he absolutely could be, like, the New York Jets GM right now. But he turned down an opportunity a couple years back. But, yeah, he interviewed on Wednesday for the Lions job. 
he'll soon interview for the Broncos job. I don't know if I can handicap, you know, if I favor one or the other. Maybe I lean Detroit, but I think it is it is as real as ever that the Vikings are going to lose George Payton finally. Like, we've thought this would happen for a while, but at this point, it does happen. Let me throw one other thing out about the Vikings. I had a nice conversation yesterday with Michael Pierce. He is down to 349 pounds. He's picked up CrossFit. He told me he battled at one point during the fall depression, but he's in a really good spot now. He had a really good conversation with Andre Patterson, Vikings co-defensive coordinator, earlier this week. He's looking forward to getting the COVID vaccine. His hope is that there will be some semblance of OTAs slash minicamp April, May, June, that he can be up here in April. On Peyton, I'm curious, too, what would be the tipping point this time around, especially if he picks Detroit Dukes, just considering the problems that they've had there and the history, what would be the reason why this would be the job when it certainly seems like the culture with the Lions has been absolutely awful for the most part? It has been awful, but they're making tweaks. I mean, Chris Spielman brought in, I think the Chris Spielman, Rick Spielman relationship, I think that that factors into this, that there would be a belief that, that George would have the leeway that he needs, that he'd be able to hire his head coach. So you're able to pull that trigger right now, that, that the bar is pretty darn low there in Detroit. So if you make any tangible progress, you know, they might erect a statue of you that, that yeah. there is. There is a decent core there. I, I guess I'm curious to see what takes place with the future of Matthew Stafford. You open this segment by saying you're going to get to some Deshaun Watson trade steam later on. I'm curious to see what takes place with with Stafford. But I do think there's there's an okay core there of, of young players where I don't think, and it's National Football League. We see it on a year-to-year basis that the 49ers can be dog crap one year then win the NFC the following year where, where I don't think it's like this lengthy rebuild, even though you're right, Judd. It looks like from ownership on down. I mean, there's there's been issues in Detroit going back decades. But but I think he just looks at it as, okay, who knows if, if the opportunity will present itself again. Like, I've gone down this road. I've turned down opportunities. At some point, the phone will stop ringing. So at some point, I better take one of these jobs. So why not take this Detroit job if, if indeed it is offered or the Denver job? Yeah. Man, I, just speaking on behalf of Vikings fans, I guarantee there's a lot of people, and I would be lying if I uh, said I wasn't one of them, who look at the last 10 to 15 years and some of the ones that got away, You know, whether it was you know, Mike Tomlin, they, Brad Childress is the coach, and Mike Tomlin is the up-and-coming coordinator, and he knocks an interview out of the ballpark with Pittsburgh, and then to see what Kevin Stefanski is doing in Cleveland. And, um, and it's been 13 years of Rick Spielman, and George Payton has been this highly sought-after underling right and George Payton's not young he's been around for a long time but a part of me is thinking why if George Payton goes and has success with another franchise and like turns the Lions around is that going to be just another one that you felt like well Vikings let one get away Dukes well you're right I mean it's Kevin Stefanski I mean it just sucks for Kevin that he can't coach on on Sunday but it's yeah. Stefanski it's Stefan Diggs doing what he did in Buffalo right so so it's all this you know recency of 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 guys that were here now kicking ass elsewhere. Sure. I mean, I even thought about the possibility of what if Rick wanted to go join Chris in Detroit Would the Vikings allow such a move, then you promote George Payton. Wow. Right. And wow. I wouldn't be against that. Now one could argue that George has had his <laughs> fingerprints on a lot of the moves here. Right. You know, it's not like his voice is silent. Yeah. It's, it's not his final say, but he certainly is involved heavily enough. Where if you're a Vikings fan and you're upset by 
by some of the things you've seen the last handful of years. George Payton was involved in in a lot of those decisions. But yeah, I think I think it's more likely that that he ends up leaving that that Rick Spielman ends up staying. Doogie, explain this. Go for men's basketball, okay? Margin of victory at home in three games in the Big Ten, 16 points. Very impressive. Margin of defeat on the road after last night's 82-57 debacle in Michigan, 21.3 points in losses, 0-3. Can they just lose a close Big Ten game on the road? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, don't they go to Nebraska at some point? I mean, they have some easier road games. I mean, I can make a case, Judd, that that Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan are the three best teams in the Big Ten. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's how they've lost. They just yeah. haven't shot the ball well. So, is it the rims at these arenas? Is it – like, Wisconsin uses this unique basketball. It's really weird in college basketball how how there's not a universal basketball. But, like, at Wisconsin, they use this unique ball. Now, it's not that much different than the Nike ball. Yeah, it's square shape. It's actually – it's square shape. But, like, is it a basketball? Like, I'm running out of ways to to figure this out. Like, that sounds crazy. I know it does, and I I don't truly mean that. But it's just something that hits me as as you bring that up because they shot the ball so poorly. It won't fit in the rim for the opposing team. three road games. Yeah, Man, I, I really you know want. I wanted to hit either the unsolved mysteries button or the Law and Order dum dum, and both have been deleted from our system here. We have we've got and, people and deleting things. It. Like you can laugh at me, but it is true. Wisconsin uses Google it. <laughs> they use this unique basketball. It weighs either a little less or a little bit more than the Nike ball. It's, it's a, a dumbbell field. for the opponent. For the opponent. Yeah. But I mean, that's not the reason why why they've lost these games by by twenty plus points. Like last night. I just thought Michigan defended its butt off. Like, I haven't seen a team defend like that in a while. I wasn't quite sure what to think of Michigan entering this year after they lost their big man, their point guard. But they are legit. And I'm hopeful that Liam Robbins is okay. So he ended up getting hurt last night in the second half. It's a it's a quadriceps injury. You think about the game Sunday at Iowa, a winnable game, just because I don't think Iowa defends. Like, I was thinking last night, imagine Iowa's offense with Michigan's defense, that team would be right up there with Gonzaga and Baylor if you could combine those two because Iowa Iowa doesn't defend. Michigan's offense, they have some some decent individuals, but but I don't know if their if their offense is good enough for them to win a national championship. But they are really good. Like they are they are final four good. But you think about that game Sunday at Carver Hawkeye Arena, like defending Luca Garza, playing against Garza. They need Liam Robbins, so I'm hoping to hear a little bit more later today about Robbins' status. Doogie, let's get to some Twins hot stove or maybe lukewarm stove. or <laughs> It's probably more like a mild Is baseball stove. still going? Yeah. Did baseball stop? Yeah. Um, first question out of the gate. I know you've got some info on, on pitching. Do you have any intel on whether the Twins at all kicked the tires on Blake Snell before he was traded to the San Diego Padres? I mean, how do you define kick the tires? Do I sense that the Twins talked to the Tampa Bay Rays? I do. I believe that there was some sort of correspondence. Heck, they went down the path with with Texas before the Lance Lynn to Chicago trade relatively far where where some names came up. I I don't know in the case of Snell if if it got to that point of of names coming up. My sense is that that they're targeting others more so than Snell. So congratulations to the Padres for, for completing that transaction. But I don't sense that the Twins got real far down that path, but I think they did their due diligence. I think they they had some sort of correspondence, whether it was, you know, a conversation like this virtually 
or just a, a text message exchange. Yeah, I, I do think that that somebody with the Twins ended up corresponding with with somebody with the Rays, but but I don't think Phil had ever got you know anywhere. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean that would have just been the perfect type of trade, and obviously you'd have to give up something of value. And it looked like the Rays were into catchers. You probably have to. You probably would have had to part with Ryan Jeffers and one of your top pitching prospects. Uh, I would have gleefully done that if it landed one of the best pitchers in baseball for three years. That's the type of trade that Judd and I have talked about for a long time and and with you too. I don't know if they have the stones to trade one or two of their top prospects for a win-now piece. I mean, Bruce Dargraderall for Kenta Maeda was sort of dipping your toes in that pool. But do they have have the, whatever you want to call it, to trade... Balazovich or to trade, um, I mean, Royce Lewis would be, you know, number one or number two on your list. I don't know that they do. Well, I mean, I don't think Ken Rosenthal a couple weeks ago randomly wrote about the Twins potentially pursuing a middle infielder, and I can advance that by saying they've they've at least inquired on Andrew Simmons. They've they've inquired on, on Marcus Semien. So I think the, the dominoes there would be Louis Arise would end up getting moved. Yeah. You could move Polanco to second base if you end up signing or or acquiring some some sort of shortstop. There's there's a lot of guys available, right? Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story. You know, so I think it depends on on who the prospect is. Yeah, I'm with you, Phil. I, I don't foresee them them trading Royce Lewis anytime soon. I don't foresee them trading Alex Kirilov, maybe even Trevor Larnick. But but I think as you go down the list, even guys that have that have shown already in the majors I wouldn't necessarily dismiss the idea of of them doing something. I also would argue that, yeah, I like Blake Snell. I'm positive you like Blake Snell. There are varying opinions on him, right, when it comes to to durability. Like, can he even get to the sixth inning? Can you rely on him to get consistently to the sixth or seventh inning? There are some question marks there. But as a guy who won a Cy Young, who signed to a pretty team-friendly contract, like, I, I would have given up a lot. I, I love the deal for San Diego. I'm just presenting to you that there are some people in the game that will question how much you should really love Blake Snell. Twin scoops besides that, Dukes, what's going on? Tomoyuki Sagano. I mean, today is the day, 4 o'clock Central deadline. So a lot of people might be listening to this and, and know what the answer is. I can tell you the Twins have done their due diligence. And, and really, there's been, as far as I can tell, like zero steam on Sagano connected to the Twins. We've heard the Blue Jays. We've heard uh, potentially the Mets. We certainly have heard the Red Sox, who who have at least inquired on just about every starting pitcher, including Jake Odorizzi, who the Twins still have some interest in retaining. The word is, per Ken Rosenthal, that, that Sagano is looking for Kikuchi-type money. Remember, Kikuchi signed with the Mariners a couple years ago. He got four years, $56 million. Sagano is is more accomplished. The difference is Kikuchi is, is four years younger. But Sagano is what? I think he's he's 31. He won the, the Cy Young of, of Japan. He was pitching for, for the Yankees of, of the Japanese League. Like, he is he is the best pitcher over there. And he is available to be signed by a major league team by 4 o'clock today. So, we'll wait and see. I, I don't know if the Twins are willing to pay him four years, 52 to $60 million. I can tell you the Twins have a really good relationship with his agent. His agent, oh, by the way, also represents Kenta Maeda, represents Jose Barrios, or at least the agency represents those guys. So I can tell you Maeda and Sagano have some sort of relationship. So I can just tell you it's worth keeping an eye on. We're sitting here at, what, 10.15 on 
on Thursday morning as the day trickles on. Just pay attention to, to the Sagano sweepstakes, what takes place by 4 o'clock. Doogie, wild observations one week before they start their season. I don't know if they're going to be very good, and I don't think I'm breaking news on that. Judd, you can certainly chime in. I've heard a lot of good things about Kaprizov. Heck, we, we had some really cool video from, from a Channel 5 perspective yesterday where they were where they were doing some one-on-one drills. I mean, he's skating around Suter. He's skating around Spurgeon. I mean, he's he's a master with, with his stick handling, but do they have a centerman to get him the puck, right? So yeah. I think there's there's a lot of question marks. I heard that they're that they're looking at potentially mixing up the the first power play, you know. And, and Zach Parisi alluded to that with with him taking some faceoffs after practice the other day. So I think they're looking at at tinkering the 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 top power play. But I just I don't know if they're going to be all that good on Parisi. I heard behind the scenes, and it makes sense. Like, he's pissed off. Like, he thought he should be captain, and I get it. He captained, what, the, the 2012 New Jersey Devils team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals, the 2014 U.S. Olympic team. Like, he's got vocal skills. Like, I love Jared Spurgeon, the player, but but you've both been in the in the wild locker room, Declan, too. Like, if you can get Jared Spurgeon to give you a second, second answer to any question, it's a miracle. And I do think when you have the C on, on – your jersey when when you are the captain, I think you need to have some verbal skills, and and I just don't know if if Jared is is capable of that. I, I mean, I, th- not, I thought he was have to get into a guy's face. I, that's not Jared Spurgeon. No. I thought he was great in those air conditioning commercials a couple years yeah, back. Personally, <laughs> I remember those. He looked but, like he was twelve. And, it looked in like those. me, yeah. Or was that water? Yeah, was it a water cooler commercial? I think it was. Both. No, I think it was. Yeah, it's a water cooler. Doogie's right though on this. Okay. Yes, yeah, that's but true. I get it. Like Zach Parisi was hopeful that that he was going to be a New York Islander, right? Last whenever that was, early March before before things shut down, or late February, whatever the trade deadline was in 2020. So I understand it, but I'm just telling you, I I get the sense that that Parisi's not alone. By the way, in in that sentiment, that that I think there's a lot of people in that locker room thinking, whoa, like Jared Spurgeon is the captain. If not Parisi, what about Felino, right? I guess you can make a case for for Suter too, but but Marcus Felino, like I was on a Zoom call with Felino the other day. You listen to him talk; mm-hmm. that dude is a captain. Marcus Felino, absolutely could be the captain of the Wild. I get it that he's not signed long term, but I can just tell you behind the scenes, it's not just Parisi. There's others rolling their eyes, wondering how the heck Spurgeon, you know, became the captain and the process, by the way, in which he was chosen with. With you know some public word, I heard Dean Evison on a radio interview a, a couple weeks ago saying this: "This isn't a, a dictatorship. This isn't me or just Bill making the decision. We're we're going to involve a lot of people. It it doesn't sound like they didn't talk to Zach, involved. right? Yeah, they they didn't. So if they didn't talk to Zach, you know they didn't talk to some other veterans in that locker room. So I, I don't think they they involved very many people. I'll also give you this on the wild: everybody is quiet right now on on Alex Stalock. There is there is definitely more to that story. I don't have it nailed down to the point of, of ready to, to spill all the beans to you right now, but I can just tell you there's there's a lot more to the Alex Stalock story, why he's not playing right now. Interesting. Timberwolves, Doogie. Um, it started off really well. I mean, you beat Detroit. You beat Utah Jazz. It looked great. What's the timetable as we talk right now on Cat? Because I think until he comes back, it's really hard to judge – this team beyond the fact that we know they're just not very good. I think it was always a multi-week injury. So the injury occurred. When was that Utah game? Was it 
was it Saturday, December 26th? So I yeah, think from it was that Saturday, point yeah. on, it was always going to be like a three to four to maybe even five week type injury, you know? So I think we're looking at hopefully later this month, but the issue is they have so many games, right? Like the difference between being back January 20th and January 30th is probably five games, right? Like, and in, in, as you dig this hole and the stated goal from Jake Lehman, from Glenn Taylor, from others on background is, we expect to be a playoff team. Well, you keep digging this hole, right? Like you want cat back as soon as possible, but you can't, you can't rush it, but, but it's a pain tolerance thing. It's, it's a swelling thing, but, but I think it's, it's realistic to think he'll be back at some point here this month, but this month could be January 30th or January 31st. Josh Okogi is closer. I actually thought Okogi would be back tonight. He won't play tonight in Portland. The Wolves declared him out last night, but, but I think he's he's at least close. I mean, you think about it, he's their best defender. Cat is their best overall player. So we can talk like we talked about the Gopher basketball team, you know, how they've lost on the road. It's how the Wolves have lost. But but them being two and five right now is about what I expected, especially minus minus Cat and Okogi. Like you look at these first seven games, I thought they would beat Detroit. I actually thought they would beat Washington, but I thought they'd lose to Utah. So after seven games. I thought they would be two and five. The schedule does ease up. If you look at the schedule over the next month, they have the Warriors twice. They have the Grizzlies twice, minus Ja Morant. They have the Oklahoma City Thunder twice. They have the Cavs twice. They have the Spurs twice this weekend. Those are all winnable games. Yeah, uh, we got to let you go here in a minute, but just uh, you're going to have Brian Windhorst, and I'm assuming that people can find that as part of Five Eyewitness News programming and and the scoop. Um, you guys have both done a ton of reporting and digging on the Wolves' ownership situation. Do you think Glenn Taylor will still own the Timberwolves in six months from now? Well, I mean, just based and and you know, getting to know Glenn Phil over the last you know twenty years, you know, just as long as as I've been doing this and, and him owning the Wolves for for about twenty five years now. If anything, Glenn is is too honest, especially in in you know, the podcast conversations I've had with him. So when two weeks ago, you know, he hinted that that it's a distinct possibility that one year from now, he's still majority owner. In this case, I, I take him at face value, but but he's still listening. Like Glenn can be a roller coaster. I mean, we thought in 2012, he would sell the team. We thought in 2015, he would sell the team. I told you guys six months ago, you know, going back to July that I thought this time was as real as ever. And, you know, as we sit here six months later, I look like a fool for suggesting that. But but I, I do like and, and it went far down the road with with Daniel E. Strauss, the former Grizzlies limited part, partner. Wendy is reporting that that Strauss is still very much in the mix, that that he might make Strauss the betting favorite, that eventually the transaction happens where Daniel E. Strauss is the majority owner. So I, I think it's fluid, Phil. But I do think as Glenn, if he's not already 80, as he's approaching 80 years old, I do think he he will eventually sell before before he leaves this world. And I do think he cares about his legacy, and he, and he certainly cares about keeping the team here in Minnesota because I'll, I'll reiterate what I've said before. If Glenn was open to the team moving and paying $50 million to, to break the Target Center lease is nothing. A lot of these ownership groups would do that in a heartbeat. Glenn could sell the team for about what the Utah Jazz got, if not more, 
maybe even approaching $2 billion if he wanted to and allow the team to move to, to Vegas, Seattle, or you name the location. But but he's all about keeping the team here in Minnesota. Yeah. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams, Doogie with The Scoop. You can find him as part of the 5 Eyewitness News sports team and The Scoop podcast, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Dukes, we'll, we'll see you next week. We'll do it again. See you, Dukes. You got to remember that, Phil, because I heard you yesterday ripping, Glenn. Don't forget, he took them into the luxury tax a year ago. He just paid a, a decent sum to have the Wolves head down to the G League bubble, wherever it is, Orlando here in a couple weeks when when some owners wouldn't pay the fee even though it's less than a million dollars so he does do some good things phil he's made some some sketchy hires there there's no denying that we can certainly cite the the joe smith contract fiasco going back decades but but just don't forget that phil next time you rip glentail that's fair listen i'll I'll agree that when we when we put some sort of uh you know a headline on glenn taylor's tenure as the wolves owner but he took the Wolves to the G League bubble. I will make sure Star that we Tribune's have great, that. man. Star Tribune's fantastic, okay? Yeah. Newspaper-wise, this guy is first class. I get it, though. They are they are as brutal as brutal can be when, when compared to every other professional sports franchise going back multiple decades. It really is sad when when eight teams, eight out of, out of 15, you have over a 50% chance to make the playoffs on a yearly basis. And the fact that they've made the playoffs once since yeah. since the 03-04 season, I get it. That is He's that a, is as bad as it gets. So I cannot defend that, but I'm just laying out as 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 you build the 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 case for or against Glenn Taylor. There is some good. It's not all bad. Yeah, he's a great human too. Like he's like there, he he could be a scumbag human, and it would like like that Sterling Donald Sterling from the Clippers. <laughs> so he's at least he's not. At least he's not like a racist, bigoted, piece of crap human, too. So he's got that going for him, too. Jimmy Haslam, the Browns owner, did have interest at one point in buying the Wolves. So if you're a Wolves fan, would you rather have Jimmy Haslam? Look at the Browns now. The Browns are great now, Dukes. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'd rather never have to make that choice, actually. Please don't. Come on. See you, guys. See you, Dukes. Bye. All right, that's Darren Doogie Wolfson helping us here on a Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless speculation. Real quick, before we recap some of those things from uh, from our friend Doogie, our friends at Corona. Oh yeah. Not only are they uh, have they gotten us on the Corona hard seltzer train here, but over the next couple weeks, now that we've got uh, a lot of fun football games on the weekend, they are offering up the ultimate tailgate experience sweepstakes. Get this, okay? Six winners are going to get a Corona game day prize pack valued at over $3,500, including a 70-inch TV, wireless surround system, football furniture, and more. Whoa, and whoa, yes, whoa. Play the football sounder. Football If it's football furniture, furniture you've got football. to play the football sounder. And I, am, I am literally looking here. I, cool I, I won't stuff. turn this because it's my camera, too, but... Uh, there's literally like a chair that's a football helmet. Yep. And it's one of like 10 things. There's a grill in here. I want that cooler, that gigantic Corona cooler. That is amazing. I there's, want that. There's a bean ba- a bags set too with oh, yeah. the uh, cornhole or whatever you want to call it. So details, rules, and entry at gamedaywithcorona.com. That's gamedaycorona.com. Must be 21 or over, live within a 40-mile radius of Minneapolis. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes subject to change. Enter by January 18th, 2021. Corona beers imported by Crown Imports. Chicago, Illinois. Relax responsibly. Football. I like myself some Corona beer, by the way. But I can't win this, can I? 
Uh, you are not eligible. You're not eligible, unfortunately. I just want to make sure because I gave I. two different websites there. I have two different things in my copy here. Game day. I want to go to the website and make sure. Game I just day. Want the football furniture then. I'd really like to get that some. cooler is what I want. I, I want that humongous cooler and then I wouldn't even have the fridge. I would just use I wonder that what Don would, would do if I brought home the football furniture and just like started to replace the couches and stuff. What if one day she got home? By the way, it's game day with corona.com is the correct website. What if she got home and like all of your furniture was gone and you just had six football chairs all that's throughout the living room? And that's the house? exactly what I'm saying. Yep. I mean, I think it would be a problem for her, well, but, but glorious get over for it. me. Yeah. Sorry, Don. <laughs> I mean, this is how, this is lifestyle now, right? Yeah, that's right. We're we're gonna live a football lifestyle, thanks to Corona. Man, it's amazing. The sound bar, the grill, it's ridiculous. So. Let's circle back to the thing that we talked about off the top with Doogie real quick, and then we're going to get into some who says no trade ideas here on Reckless Speculation Thursday. George Payton, you've covered George Payton. He has been this behind-the-curtain, sort of second-ranked executive in the Vikings front office for a long time. Spielman's lieutenant, basically. What are your thoughts on... Like how much value does he provide in that front office from what you can tell? I mean, teams have been looking to interview him, and he has turned a lot of opportunities down. The Jets, I think, came knocking at some point. The Niners, I want to say. Can you provide any insight on George Payton for people who really have no idea what he does with the Vikings? I think he provides, I think he's a very good sounding board for Spielman and probably, to a certain degree, Zimmer and... He does a lot behind the scenes that is is um, would probably be considered by the Vikings organization vital to their success and existence. Uh, but that being said, I've always been surprised that he doesn't have a GM job by now. Like and and his actively turning down opportunities. Now, I do think a few years back when John Lynch got the 49ers GM job, and uh, Peyton was a finalist for that job at the time. I think they chose Lynch uh, over Peyton. So if he had been offered that job, I think he takes it. What and what, why I asked Dubes the question, what interests me about this whole thing is if he does land on the Lions job, why now and why them? Yeah, it seems like, like, it seems seems like weird. a terrible decision. It seems weird to be turning down jobs and then finally when you decide to take one, it's Detroit. And I know that they're actively cha- talking about changing things like their culture. I get all of that. But if you think about it, like that's a big leap to take. Um so I'm curious about that, but I do think he does a lot behind the scenes that basically is not talked about, but your name doesn't come up this often, Phil, unless you're really well respected around the league, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's that, my feeling. And and so I, I get that, but that's why I brought up to you guys. It just kind of feels like, I don't know. Well, Rick Spielman is a good general manager with some blind spots. People. People are a little too hard on Rick. I think there's a lot of fire everybody, you know, blow it all up and start over. It's like, well, Rick Spielman's been here for 13 years and has had various levels of control, but a lot of control for like eight of those 13 years. And he has mostly put good rosters on the field, competitive division winning rosters on the field. Um, so like, be careful what you wish for. I think my question would be Stefanski has proven to be something sort of special at head coach. And Mike Tomlin a while back proved to be something special. Yep. When you've got someone under your nose like this, Eric Bieniemy, and now Eric Bieniemy was a running backs coach when he was here, but I, I think Eric Bieniemy is going to wind up being a good head coach, and I think he might get hired this year. Is George Payton somebody that, if you're kind of good with 13 you years of Rick Spielman, would you and, and like, elevate Rick George Vick. Payton? I mean, is that crazy to say? I don't know enough about George Payton and, and the inner workings to say like he's for sure better than Rick Spielman. But yeah, I don't someone's know. Someone's going to give him a shot. 
I don't know there, but because the the thing with uh, Stefanski is that you could see by what he did and like his age. Now I have my questions about him, but like you at least had an inkling of the direction that he went with things and what he believed offensively. Probably uh, Peyton, it's harder because he's Rick's sounding board, but he doesn't necessarily do enough that we know about to say that you should fire or be inclined to possibly make a change to Peyton. But if he goes to Detroit, best of luck to him. Best of luck being the first person that actually goes there and probably goes to a podium and mentions changing culture and then does it there. The other thing about Detroit that makes it tough right now, if, if you've got other potential jobs that could pop up next year, Detroit was bad, but they weren't bad enough to guarantee a franchise quarterback. Like if, if they were right. picking number one overall, like the Jaguars job right now, Urban Meyer apparently wants $12 million a year to become the Jaguars head coach. So we'll see if they go and uh, take out a loan or something. But if you were guaranteed that that, that Trevor Lawrence was going to be your starting quarterback, yeah, very happy. Go take that job, even though they're kind of a dumpster Chargers fire. job looks great right now. Yep. The, the Lions are picking seventh. And so they're almost certainly not going to get access unless they trade up to one of the top two quarterbacks. It's possible. And we'll, and by the way, on Purple Daily today, we'll go over uh, Todd McShay's newest mock draft, which is very interesting. I just don't know that the Lions, if, if the Lions are picking number one and I can choose my quarterback for 10 years, all right. If I have to figure out how to do it with Matt Stafford and the seventh pick, I don't know that that's uh, – and that culture and ownership and stuff. They basically brought Chris Spielman in because – He's the most like likable, and, and I'm not sure I'm a Chris Spielman guy. fan. Like I think that he 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 was a great player. He's been a commentator for 20 but years, but that doesn't translate to success. And look, the Detroit Lions basically in a similar form. It's not the same job titles, guys, but in a similar form, went down this exact path with Matt Millen. Yeah, it's like so. Okay, Spielman was good. I get that, but you're really going to bring him him in to be an important part of. Who gets hired? I. It's one thing to say, hey, we have been the Lions and a dumpster fire, but we are changing now. Okay? That's a very easy lip service type of thing to say. I get that. But if you're really going to do it, like, I got to see a lot more than, and hey, we hired Chris Spielman. Who yeah, you're, you're right, has been a commentator for a long time. It feels and like quite a, frankly, I never heard his analysis <laughs> From the booth and thought to myself, that's groundbreaking. Now, that's an executive. Yeah. Like John Lynch sounded really good. Spielman is like, he's talking about how his dad wouldn't feed him if he didn't have enough tax. Right. <laughs> like, that's not, that doesn't, that's not my tipping point for future executive. It's amazing. Yeah. Like when I heard Steve Kerr on TNT for a couple of years, it was like, whoa, okay. Yes. This dude, this, this dude could be a coach or a front office guy. Um, so on Thursdays, not only do we provide, various topics of our own that are speculative and fun that are floating around. We take your trade suggestions and we decide who says no. I've got a couple of them in front of me right now from Nick and Austin on Twitter that are really, really interesting that we'll get to in a second. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They live in the sewer. Yes, they do. And enjoy it. (laughs) They relish in it. Mackey and Judd. And the way they walk with their back end up in the air, that's just plain evil. (laughs) It's just gross. A pretty clear uh, reminder that, that, you know, the truth matters. Um, We've been talking about this for years, but um, the, the truth matters 
and be in our country and in, and in anywhere in any circumstance because of the repercussions if we allow lies uh, to to spread and if we enable people in power to lie um, you all of a sudden have millions of people who are doubting an election that was certified in every state that was Steve Kerr one of just many people that didn't stick to sports yesterday in their commentary talking about what happened at the Capitol and that, yeah, we, and we were watching it play out as we were recording our shows yesterday. And, and so we know that our place in the content realm is mostly just to hashtag stick to sports and be an escape and a reprieve. And so we're not going to go down like a huge wormhole here, rabbit hole, um, because there are plenty of places for you guys to go and, uh, and immerse yourself in discussion about what happened yesterday. But the, I just want to say one thing real quick off what Steve Kerr said, because you brought up the word uh, truth and you know how important it is that we're at least dealing in truth. And I think that's the most crazy thing. Like, I've been on this earth for 35 years, and Judd's been on this earth for about 51 years, and Declan for almost three decades. I can't ever remember a time in my life where we couldn't even agree on what was real and what's not and what's truth and what is a lie. Like... I think President, former President Obama said this on a on an interview a few it might have been like right around election time, and he said the hardest part is the hardest part is if I could uh, take a moment, President Obama. He said something like, "It'd be one thing if we were just like agreeing that okay, this is something that's true, and let's debate it from two different sides." But it's another thing when you're literally debating what's true, like and how impossible it is to get anything done and to have any sort of productive conversations. And that's what I hope we can overcome at some point. And that's the scariest thing for me. So that's all I'm really going to say on it. If you guys have any other thoughts. The last four years have been a, um, a, a living, breathing tutorial and class on, on human nature. And when I was a kid and, you know, would learn about slavery, for instance, or the Nazis, for instance, or this, the, you know, 60s and all of the violence and civil rights. Um, and you would learn about that in grade school and high school. And you would think to yourself, how is this even possible? Like, this right. must have been a million years ago. This can't have been the 60s. It's the, it's, yeah. you know, 20 years. And um, what we've seen has basically schooled us, I think, on the fact that human nature really doesn't change. And and we suppress things, and I think at times when we have the right people leading, we probably get along, at least on the surface. But, yeah, it's frightening. And the thing that, the one thing that I will say, if you cut through all of the terrible things that occurred at the Capitol on Wednesday and, like, get past all of it and take one thing away and I, I know that a lot of basketball players talked about this and, and I think some football players did as well um, the one thing that struck you is how the rioters were handled this summer or the people I should say that protested and some did loot and riot and what transpired yesterday it's it's frightening yeah it's frightening and it just shows we really don't learn yeah Dex your two cents yeah it's it's uh, it was it was a bad day, 
I, like in our, it's been a bad year. There's been a lot of moments where we have been living through crazy, chaotic times. It's kind of like Judge said, you learn about things in history class and, and when you're growing up with the Nazis and in 60s and civil wars and revolutionary wars and world wars. But within the last year, we have lived through so many crazy history events that are going to be taught to the next generation. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I remember 9-11. I was only 9 or 10 years old, but I remember it. But between 9-11 and then, I mean, yeah, there's been notable moments in history, of course, but nothing as compared to what has happened literally in the last nine months yeah. pre- in the previous 15 years. Also, like, and I know there's always going to just be random, wacko, crazy people in any generation, any snapshot in time, any country. But I can't get the snapshot of the guy wearing a Camp Auschwitz hooded sweatshirt standing inside the Capitol out of my mind. Like, are you a, a Camp Auschwitz a Nazi concentration camp in which they literally put Jewish people in ovens and killed them in gas chambers. A Confederate flag was paraded around flag. our capital. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's bonkers, di- man. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's and I, I think, and lastly, I, I think there's a time to watch the news and, and, and digest it and figure out other different sides and other point of views. And there's a time to also turn it off and unplug, but to completely ignore the fact, like just to say, quit watching the news or quit watching it completely. And don't pay attention to it is just as big of a part of the problem. Actually, ima- I can't like, stand that. Ima- uh, we got an email. Uh, so our, 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 we have an overnight producer named Jason who's great <laughs> and he helps out. A lot of the, the sound bites you hear, like he he helps us out overnight and gives us head starts next day. Well, his schedule, like he literally works from 9 p.m. until like 5 or 6 a.m. And then he goes to bed at like 10 or 11 a.m. and then wakes up at like 6 or 7 p.m. And we woke up to an email from him and said, hey, sorry, like I... I didn't get to a couple things I was going to get to because I literally woke up at 7 p.m. to come in for my 9 p.m. job and was like catching up on what happened in our world <laughs> all day. And I just wonder, like, were there people yesterday probably who were just on Zoom meetings all day for their jobs and woke yeah, up and you know, came out of their cave at 5 p.m.? So anyways, you know, we are watching it. We also know that you come to us not for political commentary necessarily, uh, but to be entertained and speculated upon. And so with that... Reckless speculation. You guys want to speculate? Yes, go. Speculate. So we will take your submissions. If you want to send us ideas for who says no trade concepts, we will throw these out on the show on Thursdays, and uh, and we will not laugh at them. We will entertain these ideas because that's what we're all about here. So Nick on Twitter, and there's a couple people I saw. Viking Central was putting out some uh, some trade scenarios like this, but Nick on Twitter sends us a who says no. Deshaun Watson seems very unhappy in Houston. Clearly, he was unhappy with the Bill O'Brien-led uh, regime. And, in fact, th- there is uh, potential reckless speculation breaking news about that. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, I thought you, I thought you knew this. Speculation. I no, thought I'm, this I'm, is I'm, why I'm you just, were no, doing this. No. Pro football talk. Top story right now. Oh, my God. As we speak. Oh, my God. Mm-mm-mm. The Texans have suggested they will listen to quarterback Deshaun Watson oh. when hiring a coach. But what, what if they Why? ultimately don't hire the person he'd like to be coached by? Oh. Rumors are already circulating, and we've already heard them from multiple different people, Dude. that Watson has quietly broached with teammates the possibility of requesting a trade. Bonkers. Oh, my God. Oh, He's I got- thought you were... This is perfect speculation. I swear to God, I did not know that. That's an even better jumping off point for this discussion. <laughs> so Deshaun Watson, despite how terrible the rest of his team was, in 2020, he was the third overall rated quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus. He completed 70% of his passes. 
He still threw for almost 5,000 yards, although I guess they were behind in a lot of games, so of course he's going to rack up yardage. Nine yards per attempt, and oh, he is one of the three most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, He lost his number one target in DeAndre Hopkins, poorly coached, bad chemistry. That team had so much quit in it that they almost got an interim coach fired this year. J.J. Watt ripped the entire team by, what, week 14? And so his contract is an albatross. I mean, he's up there in the $40 million a year range. And so I think, so it's a couple two-point question here. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins was great after the bye week, but I think Deshaun Watson is on a completely different level. They're both good passers. I think Kirk's probably just a little bit more accurate in certain ways, but but Deshaun is a 70% completion guy as well and has the mobility to escape pressure and overcome a bad offensive line. Um, what is your level of interest in kicking the tires on this? And then part two, yes. what would you give up? And I'll give you a scenario here in a second from, from Nick. But okay, I'll answers. go kicking the tires first. 100% I do it. 100%. Yeah, all four tires I'm kicking. I, yeah, I think this guy I'm, is I'm special. I'm kicking the spare tire, yeah. too. <laughs> I think that this guy is special. I, I think that the Texans, now they might come out, out of this fairly quickly, but I think the Texans have devolved certainly in the last couple of years and this year especially into a toxic atmosphere. Um, but I think in what in the games I've seen Deshaun Watson, he brings a skill set that I very much consider to be damn near ideal for a quarterback in 2021. He brings a particular set of skills. He does. He does. Kirk does not bring that particular I set of skills. You. I will in the and back will, of the end zone. I, I will throw the and ball. I will to trade you. for you. I will throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, which is what we want. Um, <laughs> I would kick the tires one thousand percent. Yes, there's no question. And and the contract is huge, but if I get the guy that can do it and get me to a Super Bowl, that's that's the point. Yeah. Then I don't care. <laughs> Here are your pro football focus 2020 quarterback ratings in order. Aaron Rodgers, number one. Tom Brady, number two. I think people just kind of wrote him off, but he was the second highest graded quarterback in the NFL. Deshaun Watson, three. Pat Mahomes, four. Now, if you're asking me in what order would I want those guys in a quarterback, like franchise quarterback draft. Pat Mahomes is number one. Deshaun Watson, because of age and mobility, Josh Allen was five on this list, by the way. Russell Wilson, six. Um, it, for me, it probably goes like, who would you take for the next five years as a franchise quarterback? Pat Mahomes is number one. Russell Wilson, for me, is probably still number two. Deshaun Watson might be third for me. Josh Allen might be in the top three or five now, just based now on it's how incredible, he yeah. was this year. And so... I think you have to figure if you're going to pay a quarterback thirty million, like the Vikings are going to pay Kirk this year, and it's a two hundred million cap or slightly under. Yep. Or you're going to pay Deshaun Watson like forty million dollars to the cap. Can you can you win Ooh. building the rest of your roster with Deshaun Watson? I think he's good enough and mobile enough to where you don't have to have a perfect offensive line. You can get away with paying him that kind of money more than you can get away with paying a Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins, et cetera. Et cetera, this is et cetera. An, Intriguing contract too. So in 2021, his cap is 15.9 million, yeah. and the dead money at that point is 67.1. But he is going to be if he's on your team, your QB, no questions asked, right? 2022, the cap goes up to 40.4 million on the hit, so it's enormous, um, and he can't be cut because it would be 51.2 million against your cap. But here's where it gets intriguing: by 2023. So two years, right? We're talking a cap hit of 42.4 mil, but the dead money 
plummets to 10.8 mil. By 2024, the cap hit is 34.7 million, but the dead money by 2024 is 5.4. So that means so you can, the dead you can money, restructure it or something. Exactly right. So those last two years, uh, 2023 and 24, it comes way down. And the last year of his contract is 2025. It's 32 million in that year as far as the cap number against the uh, your team, but the dead money by then is zero. Interesting. So the contract's basically done. So the point being is the cap hits are huge, but getting out of the contract by 2023 really becomes fairly oh. simple. I don't. I don't think he's the type of guy that you would want to get out from underneath the contract, though. I'm guessing. Yeah. I think like in because I think a lot of people, you know, our purple daily audience. Sometimes we get in these Kirk Cousins fights, and I think one of the main arguments from the pro Kirk Cousins side is, well, are you just saying that? You should never pay a quarterback big time money. Are you saying that it was a mistake to give Pat Mahomes that much? No, I'm saying there are certain quarterbacks that are mobile, that are improvisational, that can elevate a team, that can rise above a bad offensive line and all these things. They can win in shootouts, right? They can win late in games. There are certain quarterbacks that are just worth that much money because of how much they bring everything else up. The argument for Deshaun Watson would be, well, Look at how bad the Texans have been off and on, and look at how bad they were this year. And I would I would chalk that up to just organizational incompetence, too much Bill O'Brien power. The Vikings are a much more structurally sound organization. They, they gave not away DeAndre wreck. Hopkins. Correct. They, yes. they gave him away. But this contract is structured in a way that if you weren't happy, it becomes fair. It's a fairly quick out. So. It's not a bad contract. Okay, so here's the trade from Nick on Twitter. Who mm-hmm. says no? He's saying give up the number 14 pick this year, a 2022 first-round pick, Kirk, and Daniil Hunter for Deshaun Watson. I don't know. That's a have, lot to I don't give up. know you'd have to give up, up that much. That much. I agree. I think Daniil Hunter, the two, your, your first-round pick th- this year, uh, Kirk and another draft pick would do it. I don't think it needs to be two first round picks. What if, like, what if you could keep Daniil Hunter if you thought he was healthy and you could keep Daniil Hunter? Okay. Of course, now you're now you'd be paying in two years. Yeah, I was going to say like sixty five million. If, if Daniil wants a new contract, you'd be yeah. paying like sixty five million to two players. But but those are two incredibly impactful players. If you, if you could get away with trading your next two first round picks and Kirk for Deshaun Watson and like they float you back a second or a third round pick, would you do it? Oh yeah. Definitely. So this year's first, next year's first. Next year's first, yeah. Kirk, in Kirk, part, yeah, in part because fine. of the money. That's fine. Um, and and then they would give you Deshaun, and they'd float, you know, a, a third round pick or a second round pick. Yes, I would do that trade. I think I would do it too. Yeah, I'm probably in on it. I, I think it's a good I trade. Think two first round picks and Daniil is is a lot, but at the same time, I I I don't think I would do Daniil. Yeah. I think, if, but if you if you did what Phil just said and yeah. stripped out Hunter, I think I'd do that yeah, trade. Yeah, because like, if or you, no, you know what? I don't think I know I'd do that trade because if he's a top five because he's he's showing all the signs of being a top five quarterback. He's just in this crap hole organization right now. If if he is that and he remains mobile and stays healthy enough for the next 10 years or so, if he's like what Russell Wilson has been with Seattle and he's a leader in all those things. You don't have to be perfect in all the other areas. I mean, Lord knows Seattle has had offensive line problems and their defense has been a sieve for months at a time and, and been they've rebuilt, been injuries yeah. to run they don't have a franchise running back that stays healthy and like they win divisions because Russell Wilson just 
rises above all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think Deshaun Watson is one of those guys, and so I would be willing to pay more for that and then figure out the rest later on. So a 2021 first, a 2022 first, and Kirk. Yeah. Yeah, done deal. Wow. All right, how about this one? Okay. This is from Austin on Twitter. Reckless speculation. I feel good about that trade. He says, got a little reckless speculation for you boys. Hearing things that the Dolphins are not sold on Tua for the future. And Tua, I don't know if he's like sourcing this or if he's reading I think the football we've, talk. I think or... we've all heard those yeah. things. Those of us in the know know those things. Those of us in the know. Uh, big trade idea, okay? Yeah. Vikings trade Kirk. And I believe he's saying our first round pick this season okay. for Tua. It's a lot because you give up a first round pick and a good quarterback for Tua. The Dolphins turn around and offer the number three pick, the Vikings pick, and Kirk Cousins to the Jets or the Jags so they can draft either Lawrence or Fields or somebody else. And so then you'd have like a three-way trade here. I guess the question is, would you trade for Tua? And what would you trade for Tua? So wait. I would not trade a first-round pick for Tua. His trade trade is Kirk and my first-round pick for Tua? Yes, I wouldn't do that. I don't think I'm doing that, no. I would trade if I had a second-round pick, which we don't here. Uh, I would trade a second round pick for Tua. By the way, if the Dolphins are going to give up on Tua after one year and less than a full season of starts, I have serious questions about him now because I don't think that the Dolphins are a dumpster fire currently. So if they've seen enough to bail right now, that concerns me. Um, and that and that trade that he suggested for Tua is way too rich for my blood. So yeah. I'm not saying I wouldn't take Tua, because I, I I would. But at that price, no. Sometimes these first round quarterbacks, these these guys who come in and they're super hyped up and they're, you know, they're t- top fifteen picks or whatever, they're a little bit like when you drive a car off the lot, it's really hard to just to have the same value. Yeah. If you have that's a exactly if you, right, if you yes. don't have an unbelievable rookie season, yep. you know, like you're and that's that that's probably an area where you you could look to buy low on guys like Sam Darnold. In fact, here's another one for you guys, all right? Reckless speculation. Would you take a flyer? And I get that we're, like, Kirk Cousins was great after the bye, so I'm just, we'll just continue down this quarterback path here for a second. Would you take a flyer on Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold as a reclamation Carson project? Wentz, no yeah. way. That contract? I ain't getting near that contract. Wow. That contract's a killer. Darnold, yes. That's um, a killer, yeah. Darnold, Dar- yes. Darnold feels Darnold's like he's fine. just been completely yeah. ruined by the Jets, though. I don't know. But is he ruined, or is he is he is his growth stunted but not ruined? That's the question. I don't know the answer to. I would totally take a fifth round pick flyer on Sam Darnold. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's fine. They're probably going to want more than that just because like, that Car- right. that Carson Wentz contract. My God, I'm not getting near that thing. We we talk about Kirk's contract. Yeah. At least Kirk produces. But, but is it, I I think Carson Wentz has the better chance to be you know. But are a you top getting... ten quarterback again? It, with Sam, I, I, at one point, Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate, and so we've seen him play at that level. Sam Darnold, we've never seen him play at that level. He's just been garbage ever since he came in the league. In part because, but of do you think he's structure. ruined, or do you think that if he gets a fresh start and and is out of the Jets organization, that he could be rehabilitated? Uh, I I would lean more toward he's ruined. Hmm. I would. Ruined. I just think there's guys like there was 20 years of Cleveland Browns quarterbacks that sorry yeah. doesn't matter you're just I mean Tim Couch was lo- was like David that. Carr with and Tim Houston Couch back in the bad. early 2000s but I don't know um but yeah Wentz no way Darnold Flyer Flyer like Dex said for sure 
Okay. I'm fine. Reckless speculation. Right, every every Thursday, we'll take if, if just tweet us ideas. Deshaun Watson Jay might Zolgad. want out of Houston. Deshaun Watson might want out of Houston. Dude, like you they have to love this that. job. And uh, and I and uh, again, we we say this. You're fully acknowledging Kirk Cousins had maybe his best season after the first five train wreck games. Like he was really good. But we're not in the business of really good here. Not on Mackey and Judd, not on Purple Daily. We are about Super Bowl championships. And most teams are always trying to find their next uh, Q- QB, right? Like mm-hmm. you're always you looking for. You should never you should never rest on hey, we we got our guy, we're fine. It's it's done. Yeah. Should be anyways. All right. The other thing we do on Thursdays We go back 10-plus years of social media usage, tweets. Judd and I have been throwing things out into the Internet's ether for a long time, and uh, some of those things are correct. A lot of those things are incorrect. And Declan goes through every single week and finds old tweets exposed, and you're putting a little bit of a different twist on it this week, it sounds like. It's more of like an old tweets, old takes exposed. Um, Some of these were from our Twitter, and because we have great technology here and and, and we have unbeatable resources as the producer of the show, we've been able to figure (laughs) out how to put videos on the screen. So this is a Green Bay Packers slash NFC North kind of edition of old tweets slash takes. Oh, boy. Exposed. Very nice. So we're going to start with this video from uh, Phil Mackey. This was right after the schedule came out, early after the May 1st changes, and uh, this was Phil on the Packers. So I cannot guarantee any games against Chicago. There's just even even if Chicago is a dumpster fire and doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be for whatever reason, the Vikings just play down to them. Chicago, on basis. Chicago and Green Bay are very tough because a lot of weird stuff can happen in those division games. That's true. That being said, I do guarantee a handful of victories on the schedule, starting with week one against Green Bay. Woo! I think that's a guaranteed win. <laughs> I think it's I, I just think. Wow. I, 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 I think the tension between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers is palpable. And uh, I think the Vikings with Kirk Cousins going into his third year, similar offensive terminology and personnel. I think the Vikings are going to have a big week in week one against the Packers. I'm guaranteed. Whoa. <laughs> look at my look at my hey. look of consternation when you said that. I was like, wow. I mean, Kirk threw for some yards in garbage time in that game, oh, didn't he? Oh, God, that it's game was good. awful. That game was absolutely awful. All right. I wasn't alone. Uh, I'm going to self-report here. This was me on the Vikings possibly being uh, one of the better teams in the NFC. The NFC, too, although the Seahawks are still very good and we expect the Dallas Cowboys to take a step up, I still think it's really up for grabs. Um, I don't think I don't look at like in the AFC. I think it's still the Chiefs. Like you're gonna have to beat the you're gonna have to beat the Chiefs, correct, at least. Uh, or or even the Baltimore Ravens to, to to succeed them. In the NFC, you basically have five teams that can legitimately go to the Super Bowl, and I consider the Vikings one of those five teams. Whoopsie. Well, I think you're right about the five teams that can go to the Super yeah. Bowl thing. You just I, I screwed up. You just last probably hit on the wrong team. And this your one, Vikings love was very uh, high was very, at one time. Was, uh, the cool. I, 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 went I back tried to, to def- warn you I know, too. I know. And look, Sports Dad tried to warn you about that Vikings love. Has been mostly the year of self evaluation. Okay, I've had a lot of good. What's twenty twenty one then going to be? That's a great question. We're figuring that one out as we go. I don't think it's off to a good start. All right. So this was all of us. All of us on the Packers. 
Meanwhile, on the other side of the border, the Green Bay Packers schedule. Have you guys done a dive into the Green Bay Packers first half of their schedule yet? It is brutal. What's the league doing? I mean, this isn't fair. The league's supposed to help the Packers. We all know that. <laughs> Dude, first of all, they get an early bye. So their bye week is after the fourth game. They have a week five bye week. It's a terrible bye. And then they have to play out the rest of their season. Uh, you know, again, this could all get flipped on its head. They do have five primetime games without even flexing like the Chicago game in week 17 could get flexed, but they have five primetime games. We Here is the first eight games on the Packers schedule. All right, At Minnesota to start with, which I think the Vikings are three-point favorites, I saw. And they get a home game against Detroit, which you should win. At New Orleans in primetime in week three. Mm-hmm. Really difficult game. Home on Monday night against the Falcons, which they should be favored in that game, but you know that's Matt Ryan, and that's they've got weapons on offense there. Then you get a bye week, and look at these four games coming out of the bye week for the Packers. At Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. At Deshaun Watson. Ugh. Home against the Vikings again. And then Hell. At San Francisco on a short week flying across the country for a Thursday night game in oh, week nine. I mean, Pack a lunch. Holy cow. If I'm the Packers, I am leaving the National Football League today. <laughs> I'm forming my own league. This is a bunch of garbage. Wow. And, okay, now in fairness, San Francisco got that ravaged really by that injuries that and wasn't COVID. That bad. Wasn't and they bad. got drilled by Tampa Bay. It was pretty bad. They're 13-3. and three, Did right? they lose to Tampa Bay? They also lost. Yeah, they got smoked oh, they by got Tampa. Smoked, Did yeah. they get smoked by New Orleans, too? I think they might have no, lost two of those. Games. No, they beat the Saints, right? I think their first loss of the season was the one at Tampa Bay because they took an early lead okay. in That's Tampa, right. and then right. Tampa and came then... back and absolutely drilled wah, them. Wah. All right, we have one last tweet from Judd Zolgad, and I think a lot of people had this take at the time, but as we figured out throughout the season, it wasn't true. So I'm just, I'm, this is Rod. Oh, Doug, good, we're just back to tweets. Okay. Yeah, this is back to tweets. Uh, plus, this isn't going to be Rodgers versus Love. It's going to be Rodgers versus LaFleur, and I think we have seen <laughs> that there is no dynamic and headbutting between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. In fact, they I think I love each other. In fact, I, I kind of like Matt LaFleur. Well, Matt LaFleur well, you're, is... You're a Packer fan, so of course you like Matt yeah, LaFleur. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And you also like Bart Starr and no. Jerry Kramer. No. But I, I do. I, I come, Dickie, I'm coming around to Matt Lee Ivory. Yeah, coming around to him. Leroy Butler, get him in the Hall of Fame. He's you know what? That again. was a very, for the most part, painless wasn't, episode. Wasn't too of bad. Weeks it, wasn't exposed. too bad. I don't know. I feel like I came out pretty strong early there yeah. in that first clip. Yeah, the first clip. The but the second clip, you were fine. Okay. Well, now they're going to win the Super going Bowl. Through the Packers schedule. I think the, the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs are the team to beat until proven otherwise. But the Chiefs have also had some weird performances this year where they, I, I can't tell if they just like put it in neutral their for regular last, season games. Their last game was not impressive. Or I'm, I'm sorry, the last game that Mah- the the regulars played in was not impressive. Yeah. So I don't know. Now the Packers haven't, they're not really great when they fall behind. Aaron Rodgers is actually not historically a great come from behind quarterback, but they're also just really good at taking 20 point leads. So we'll see. All right. That could have been worse, but could have been worse. Old tweets exposed every Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. And uh, remember, we expanded this week. Write that down. And people have kind of, I've gotten some tweets from people. So this is, just because you guys are expanding write that down into Purple Daily, does that mean that you're no longer doing write that down on Mackie and Judd? No, we will We will continue doing classic Don't write that down. Don't confuse the people. Classic write that down every Wednesday on Mackie and Judd. And football-centric write that so down like every Coke, Wednesday on Purple Daily. New Coke. Uh, sure. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, Coca Cola, Coca Cola Classic. Got it. Yep, Coca Cola Classic. You guys don't don't recall New Coke back in the day? Um, that was probably around the time that Phil was born. So I remember when Vanilla came Coke came Coke. in the fold, like in two thousand two, two thousand three. No, no, no. They they actually changed oh, the formula for Coke. Oh. and called it New Coke, and the pushback was so strong that I think they then came back with Old Coke. I do remember Pepsi Blue. 
I don't remember. I think I was too young for clear. Yeah, I know no, we're it was talking clear a major marketing yeah. shift here. That's what. Write that down, though. You still got the classic. Write that down, and that yeah. would never go no. away. That's the greatest. Phil Mackey. If you hate Phil, I'm fine with that. If Phil's a first class jerk, if he's an ass, and that's how you feel about it, that's fine. Judd Zolgad. Has he become that crusty? I think. I think he's always been. Mackey and Judd. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.